Welcome to the IMTS Monthly Podcast Series, brought to you by the International Manufacturing Technology Show 2016. Alrighty. Well, it is now 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And thank you guys for joining. Just looking at Steve up there. <laughs> I know, I'm, looking, I'm looking at you on my other computer. Are you? Hello. Good morning, everybody. Thank you guys for joining. My name is Rochelle Muckle. I'm the Exhibitions Operations Coordinator here at AMT. Um, and thank you for joining our IMTS webinar slash podcast. So for those of you guys who do not know... Um, Beauty. Beast. <laughs> no. Beauty, Beauty and Pro. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Marketing guru right here. For those of you who don't know. For those of you who do not know, we have started IMTS podcasts. Um, They are meant for our IMTS exhibitors, and they'll be focusing mainly on IMTS show products and kind of things that will go along with the show, but you guys can feel free to view them. All of them will be hosted on IMTS.com. Also, you can find them on iTunes, so just search IMTS. And we now have a podcast on iTunes, so feel free to kind of listen to them on the go. Yeah, we will be, uh, uh, and actually this one will also be, I'll also upload this to the podcast as well. Yes. And I wanted to introduce our marketing guru, our specialist, Steve Miller, a.k.a. Kelly's dad up there. Hey. Hey, Rochelle. Nice to see you. We haven't, we haven't, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, Last month when we, when I did my interview with Peter. You were you were in I think in Boston working. So, so yeah, we, uh, we missed we missed you there. Um, happy Halloween! I hope everybody's all set and ready to go for Halloween. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I I actually see that there is a um, issue with a few people who are calling in. So there is actually a different code that you guys should be using. Oops. No worries. Yeah. Okay. Can we let's uh, get that posted up there? Let me. Um, you put a note up. I will. Here we go. So here is the new code, everybody. Uh, yeah, and. Um, and also, you know, one uh, one person um, um, one person is saying it's hard to hear, and we've had that complaint recently. And we are going to be changing the audio system for next month. Yes, the, we are. So the, we will- the call the phone in system for next month because we've been ha- for some reason. The last, you know, we've been having some problems with that, and uh, um, not sure why. Yeah. Okay. But um, <laughs> you know, we're talking, you know, talking right into this, and uh, uh, that's about about what I can do right now. So. Yeah. Uh, everybody, Paula, guest two, please call back in using this code. You can use the same number. Just they can't. They can't hear you. <laughs> oh, this is true. <laughs> so let's see. Call here. Call call that number. 
All right, call that number with that code, all right? So, um, okay, they are. Here we go. So Paula says that she's on, so that, that code is working, all right? So, um, so anyway, so what else is going on we, before we get going into, into Shep's interview here? Um, we just finished up our IMTS balloon tour, um, so definitely check out our website. We have some cool pictures and stuff like that from that. Honestly, we are just very busy. We're working on our IMTS exhibitor workshop. Yes. As getting the e-kit for our exhibitors up and running and coming up with some cool ideas for the show so all you attendees can have a great experience again. Yeah, and, uh, and of course, we have quite a few exhibitors on the call today as well. And uh, if you have not signed up for the workshop, we certainly encourage you to go do that. Uh, you know, go to imts.com. You can see uh, there will be a link on there for the workshop. Uh, talks about the workshop. Um, I, I will say that that it has a very general schedule on there as far as the topics of the program. Not all the topics are have been updated, um, but uh, the speakers are there. We got a lineup of great speakers, including today's guest. Shep Hyken, who will be uh, the opening keynote speaker at the workshop. So we're very excited. We are, as well as our fabulous Steve Miller as well. He will be speaking at our workshop. I'm a bad penny. You just can't keep me away from that stuff. You know, I just I just show up. I bring my own microphone and speaker, and <laughs> we're ready to go. So, uh, so Rochelle, anything else that we need to talk about before I kick you out of here? Um, I hate kicking you out of here. I really do. But, uh, I'm sorry, but no. Um, no? Okay. Not anything else. Just check out our website for the most up-to-date stuff. Feel free yep. to email me with any questions um, you guys may have. And stay tuned for a great program with Shep. Yeah, Shep is, Shep is awesome. Shep is, uh, uh, this is and this is uh, a recorded program. Uh, Shep is one of those guys that, uh, you know, is constantly on the road uh, speaking all over the world. The last time that Shep and I uh, talked, which was just like uh, a day or two after he and I recorded this presentation, uh, this interview, uh, um, he was in he, he was in Brazil, and then a few days later he was speaking in Singapore. And uh, I mean, this guy is this guy really really uh, gets gets around a lot. So. Uh, so, Rochelle, thank you very much. Uh, great seeing yeah. you. Uh, um, I think I, I might see you in a month or so. I hope so. Yes. And uh, but of course, I'll see you again next. next I mean, back on here. But uh, yes. anyway, so 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 thanks, Rochelle, and uh, and and we'll see, we'll see you later. Uh, and um, uh, let's see. Okay, yeah. For those of you that are not, you know, where's that? Where's look at look at the message over here. I'm going to put this. Actually, I'm going to put this. Uh, Right there. All right. So, uh, so there's the number, uh, and uh, uh, Rochelle's taking care of some people who are, who have not called in on, on the new line. But thank you very much for joining us again. This is Steve Miller, better known as Kelly's dad, uh, for our monthly webinar. Uh, and uh, um, you know, and like you know, we've been doing some of these interviews with uh, people that. Uh, are really really top experts in their field uh, for for you guys and Shep is uh, one of the best in the world uh, as far as customer service goes and so I want to just I'm just going to introduce I'm going to introduce them and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to be switching screens 
to have the uh, recording of my presentation uh, of, of, with Shep, uh, and that you will still be able to ask questions. Yes, I just want to remind everybody we do record everything, so this will be uh, recorded. It will be archived uh, with the video presentation, as well as the audio will be uploaded as a podcast, which you can find on iTunes right now. Uh, if you go to iTunes and you search IMTS uh, or IMTS 2016, uh, you you can then subscribe to the podcast and you can listen to all of you know we've got a bunch of uh, uh, previous uh, programs that are on there as well as my interview with Peter last month with Peter Eelman and you can get all that and uh, um, you know thank you know thank you again for joining me let me talk about Shep <clears throat> first thing I want to talk about is that uh, um, you know his is and I, I will read his formal introduction you know which uh, he has for everybody and then I'll just make a quick comment about him too Shep Hyken, uh, H-Y-K-E-N, uh, is a speaker and New York Times, Wall Street Journal best-selling business author who has been entertaining audiences. Actually, he's been informing and entertaining audiences with his unique presentation style for over 25 years. He is a customer service expert. He and I talk about that, about how he got into that, and uh, uh, you know, and he works with companies who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. His programs combine uh, imp important information with entertainment. One of the cool things about Shep is that Shep is a world-class magician. Uh, you won't, we won't see any magic on this, this interview today, but uh, those of you that are exhibitors, when you come and see him at the workshop, uh, I guarantee you that if, if he does not do any magic in his uh, program, I am going to um, hurt him badly, uh, and we can do that. But Shep... Uh, a couple of other things about Shep is is that uh, uh, the Huffington Post uh, named Shep as the number one customer service uh, uh, expert on Twitter. You know, and if you if you do if you uh, if you're active on Twitter uh, or for that matter uh, anywhere on social media, look up Shep and you can uh, and you'll be able to follow him as well. He is multiple best-selling author. His latest book is called Amaze Every Customer Every Time. And I think it says, it says 52 tools for delivering the most amazing customer service on the planet. You know, if you don't, if you want to read a great book about customer service, that's the book that that, that you that you want to get. Shep is also a uh, has been uh, inducted into the International Speaker Hall of Fame, uh, which uh, only um, a, a small handful of people get inducted every every single year. I've been nominated myself. But for some darn reason, they just don't want me in, and uh, uh, I guess that's probably pretty understandable. So, uh, so with that introduction, I'm going to switch screens. It'll just take me a couple of seconds to get the screen switched, and then we will play this. And I will mute myself, kick myself out of here, and uh, and then I will come on, come back on at the end of the presentation. It's about a 45-minute interview with Shep and uh, trust me it's really really great stuff you're gonna you're gonna love it and uh, so let's go I'm ready man I'm ready as I'll ever be you yeah, happy with good. the look here quality that, that's a good oh. start right there you know that you're yep. ready you're ready like I said uh, you know I introduced that this this guy this guy right right over here no nope, over here <laughs> This guy right over here, Shep Hyken, good friend of mine. Oh, I've known him for way over twenty years. Um, he's an okay golfer. Yeah, no, yeah, wave it, wave it, wave at me. He's an okay golfer, uh, but 
you know, he's an incredible speaker. I've already talked about the fact, you know, that he wrote this book. Okay, Amaze Every Customer. I love that I already, book. I already, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, Dan, if I were you, I'd love that book, too. So welcome, Shep. You know, I've already introduced you. Thank you for joining us today. You know, for those of you that are on the uh, that, that are on this uh, webinar co podcast right now that are exhibitors, you're going to be able to see Shep in Chicago in January, uh, and he will be killing us out there. So we're real excited about it. But Shep, your 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 deal. I'm going to get right into this. Uh, your deal is customer service. I'm just going to say that's your deal, right? That's your deal my deal: is, customer service and customer experience. Yeah, and and uh, yeah. amazing, amazing customer service, you know, and, and uh, that is and my deal. That is that is your deal, and I want to know why is that? Let's 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 go kind of back to because you've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, mm -hmm. Why is customer service your deal? It's what I love. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what my parents taught me to do when I started my first business when I was 12 years old. I had a birthday party magic show business. Came home from doing that first birthday party. I was paid $16. My mom said, go upstairs, write a thank you note. My dad said, next week, call and make sure they were happy. And then there was a lot of other things that started to happen. But I didn't know that was called customer service. Uh, I had summer jobs. Uh, I worked at a gas station, at, at a self-serve gas station. One day it was very, very cold. It, this wasn't a summer job. This is actually when I was in college. And it was so cold, uh, well below zero, uh, chill factor, very cold. There was an elderly woman that started to get out of the car to pump her gas. I went out to pump that gas for her, even though we were self-serve. When I came in, my manager yelled at me, like, why did you do that? I go, well, because I thought this older woman, she could slip, she could hurt herself. And you know what? It's freezing out there. And he goes, well, now she's going to expect that the next time she comes back. And I, I said, well, well, maybe the next time she will come back instead of go to the place across the street or catty corner from us. And I just didn't know that was called customer service. But when I got out of college and I started reading and researching as I started to decide that this is what I wanted to do for a living. Uh, actually, I started to, as a speaker where I wanted to go out and speak at events. I started right. to research my topic and I said, you know what, why not just go with what I love? And that's yeah. customer service. Yeah, yeah. And you've you've got several books, and you've been doing this for a long time. Um, uh, you know, obviously, because we've known each other for a very long time. And and uh, uh, you know, and customer services. You know, I'm gonna t I'm gonna say this. You know, we uh, uh, I'm gonna bring up a recent example. So we both know Mark Sanborn, and yes. uh, Mark Sanborn is the author of the Fred Factor. You know, another international speaker, Hall of Fame guy like you. You know. But, uh, 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 and Mark, you know, and Mark recently, you know, talked about, you know, expressed his frustration about the fact that he had had a customer service problem with LinkedIn. Uh, something about his, you know, he had been running ads and somehow the ads didn't get stopped when they were supposed to get stopped and his credit card ended up getting charged several thousand dollars and he was trying to reach out to LinkedIn to rectify the situation and he could not reach a human being. And, uh, you know, and, and if he hadn't come online and then shared that frustrating story with his friends, uh, you know, and we kind of, you know, blew it up a little bit online, you know, and he, ultimately he did get, LinkedIn finally did reach out to him. And, you know, but I, but I was thinking afterwards, well, what about the people who are not the Mark Sanborns, right, who don't have that ability? And it, and it seems like, you know, the, you know I'm going to ask you this, it seems like, Customer service, especially for the high in the high tech world, is kind of backburnered. It's not it's not a priority. 
I mean, do you feel that uh, that companies today are better at customer service, or is it an, is it a case-by-case yeah, case well, example? A, well, I think it is a little case-by-case. Case. I think companies are better at customer service. What's happened is the customer is smarter about customer service and starts to demand a little bit more because they're no longer comparing, uh, you know, uh, they're not, I mean, it doesn't matter what the industry is. If, if you're in an industry and you're dealing with a company in that industry, you're no longer being compared to another company in the industry. You're being compared to that great restaurant I ate at that just gave me great service. Man, I just stayed at this wonderful hotel. Why can't these people be as responsive as them? Uh, you're being compared to Federal Express, FedEx, you know, when they have a pretty high level of, of percentage on time, you know, meets the customer's expectations. And so you're get, being compared to many others. But to the LinkedIn example, Let's talk about that specifically because it had nothing to do, maybe it did have something to do with Mark uh, being credible. I mean, no doubt all of us who have high followers, uh, they're nervous that if we decide to speak out against a company, you know, we're talking to thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people, not, you know, 30 people in my little right. Facebook group that right. I have. Right. But here, here's what happened. He was forced to go social. How much is your reputation worth? Okay, think about that. That's the big question. If you don't take care of the customer properly and they decide to rant socially and publicly, now you have to go fix that rant, turn it around. By the way, we could talk about how to do that because there are ways to get about around, uh, to go about doing that. But at the end of the day, why don't we just do it right the first time? The best companies are going to make it easy for you to connect with them. They're going to stand behind what they say. I mean, let's, I mean, even, even AT&T, um, I, I think that the mobile cellular phone, that you know, whole cable, internet, everything that has to do with that industry, they are typically considered the lower end of the customer service uh, standards. I mean, you look at the, the cable industry, and even in, at some point, the banking industry as a whole is considered low on the, the whole world of customer service. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that every company is. It just means as an industry, they're not doing well. Well, let's right. talk about AT&T. I personally have good experiences with AT&T. Sure, I get frustrated when things aren't working, but I pick up the phone and I call them. I just went on an international trip about a month ago, and while I was there, uh, even though we had called to have my international plan put in place, which means I get free texting, I get a certain amount of data that I could do on my internet and check my email, and of course, less expensive phone calls. All of a sudden, I received an email saying, I've now added $100 to my bill. I can't remember exactly what it said. Actually, it was a text stating they have a better plan if I'd like it. I go, I haven't even been here an hour, and I'm already getting this. So I immediately called the office here in St. Louis, Missouri, where I live, all the way from Singapore, and I said, hey, what's going on with my plan? Hey, we called, so they called AT&T, and they said, you know what? We see you in Singapore. We did not activate your plan. Really, yeah, we don't have a record of that, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to activate it starting yesterday, which means it's retroactive, which means mm -hmm. you won't get those charges. Mm -hmm. What a solution. Now, by the way, had I not gotten that, uh, that phone call, if I couldn't communicate with them easily or my staff wouldn't, what would be something I could do? I could go online. I can go on to Twitter. Now, rather than publicly say AT&T is letting me down, which, by the way, I was disappointed but then immediately relieved, and they turned that moment of misery into a moment of magic. They turned that rant into a rave. If I'd have been social, I would have talked about 
how they did that for me. And by the way, I, I did come back and say thanks for AT and T for taking great care of me today. Uh, yeah. And I hashtagged it, whatever was appropriate. But I could direct message AT and T through Twitter, mm-hmm. and that way we keep it private. And when they see that I'm using a social channel, even the direct message, they know there is a risk that I'm going to go off the private direct message route and bump right. it into the true social media route. So, I mean, I'd take the private uh, way first. But, you know, it, it is a shame when you have to go to the level that Mark did to get a response. How yeah. about this? I mean, I get that that happened. By the way, you can always use your credit card and dispute it, uh, the charges. How about the guy that had his, his apartment building burned down? He called the cable company, and he said, I'm in the process of finding a new home, but in the meantime, I need to disconnect my cable. And they said, you have a year-long contract. You can't disconnect it. He said, but my, my home just burnt down, burned down, and I'll be up again in a week. I just need to, you know, and they gave him a hard time. And you know what he did? He went social with it, and then his friends started going social, and that means it's starting to go viral. Now, viral means different things to different people, but again, thousands of people saw that, and what's the reputation worth to these companies? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that would have been an easy fix, and by the way, that was somebody who wasn't trained properly to recognize this person's situation that got them into the situation. They're, no, you know, and, you, and you bring up a... Brand. I think you bring up a good point here, too, because, um, you know, what we're talking about here are uh, not, not customer service in the sense of just normal customer service. You know, uh, um, I will often talk about, you know, Nordstrom, you know, because I did yep. some, some work with Nordstrom a number of years ago, and so I have my own, you know, experiences with that. But, you know, Nordstrom is known for world-class customer service. But the fact yes, of the matter are. is... The fact of the matter is, is that if you go if you go shopping at Nordstrom, nine times out of ten, it's just normal customer service. It's not. It's there's nothing about the interaction that you could say is world class. I mean, they're very nice, they're very pleasant, and everything like that. It's when there is that opportunity to be world class, it, you know, uh, that that they rise to the occasion. All right, which become which which creates the myth. And the stories, and so the like the example you're using with AT and T, it it wasn't that AT and T that that your your previous interaction with AT and T was world class, because in fact, like you say, they forgot to, uh, you know, uh, activate that 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 part for you. Okay, it was when something went wrong. It was when there was an opportunity for them to step up and be world class that they did that. Right. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on this Nordstrom. Okay. Thing and and here's why, there any company, and and you used AT and T any company when there's a problem that is truly an opportunity to step up and go above and beyond, create the wow, whatever you want to call it. Okay, the amazing companies do exactly what you just described, which is sure every time you go in there, people are going to be nice, people are going to be friendly, and you use the words every time, and the, and I always like to use the word always. Are they always that way? The best companies aren't above and beyond all the time. The best companies are just a little bit, and sometimes it's just the tiniest little bit above average mm-hmm. all of the time. They're predictably above average. So when you walk in to a Nordstrom, you know that you are going to be greeted uh, m- nine out of ten times. You're going to have, if not more than nine out of ten times, I would hope, you're going to have uh, one of their store employees engage with you, help you, support you, and give you the level of service that you come to expect from Nordstrom. Yep. Now, go to another department store, and and you may get that or you may not. 
You may. Mm-hmm. So I was just recently, and again, I was in another country, and I decided I'm going to test this out. Um, I'm going to see how good the service is because I was going to do a public program. So I took my client with me to prove this because I wanted them to back me up. I went into 10 stores, 10 stores. Not one person approached me in the retail environment. So I went on stage the next day and I told them my experience. I said, can you imagine? Now I recognize what's happening. I'm, it was an international event. I was bringing my Western philosophies into another country. And they don't approach people like that. People find it offensive. However, what if all I did was say, hey, welcome to the store. What can I help you find today? And if they say, I'm just looking, great, I'm over here if you need me. End of story. No hard sell. Simple greeting. Simple uh, engagement. And I ask the audience, would you be willing? Most of the people were in the uh, the retail or or what I would call more customer-facing type businesses. Mm -hmm. I said, can you see that working in this country? They went, oh, absolutely. I go, all we got to do is train them. It'll take 10 minutes. We'll train them on the opening words they use, okay? Right, so right. My, my point is, is that, you know, you can go in, and in the U.S., too, you can walk into many stores, and, you know, depending upon the type of store, you're going to have a bunch of kids looking at you going, you know, let me know if you, you, if you need, if you're going to interrupt me, just give me the high sign, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> but, 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 you know, we're talking retail, and retail yeah. is, in, is totally different. But you get the idea. We use that as an example. The concept holds true. The best companies are simply a little better, better above average consistently. I know that when I call, you know, one of my manufacturing, uh, you know, vendors that I'm using, number one, I'm not going to have to wait on hold forever. Number two, whether I talk to Bob today or Susan the next day, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get a consistent experience with knowledgeable people that are able to give me or help me with what I want. And that's what I'm looking for. That's above average. That, by the way, uh, you know, I call that world-class service because world-class is above satisfactory. There is something above world-class, though, and I call that trademark-level service. And that is when your company is recognized as the example in the industry. So there used to be a phrase about an American car company that uh, went something like this. They're the blank of the industry. Do you remember what that word was? They are the... The Mercedes of the industry, or was okay, it the that would not be an American car company, but that was close. Thanks oh yeah, for yeah, playing yeah. the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're the Aren't Cadillac they of the industry. It's the Cadillac. Yeah, well, right. you know, yeah, the was, Cad- that's yeah. right. It was the Cadillac of the industry. You're exactly right. That was yeah. the that was the old phrase, and yeah, they're the Cadillac of the industry. Back into our path. You know, right, well, okay. Well, so uh, they do one now. Uh, we, we know they use a hotel chain to describe. They're the blank of the industry. What's the hotel Ritz, chain? Ritz-Carlton. Exactly. They're the Ritz-Carlton yeah. of their industry. Yeah. And yeah. those are common phrases. So when you hit that level, and by the yeah. way, you don't have to hit it where you're the Ritz-Carlton of their industry, but let's say, you know, one of our manufacturers, they are recognized as being the top customer service, customer-focused company in their industry. They could say, boy, that's our benchmark. Okay, right. when you become the benchmark of your industry or when your company is used as an adjective, if you will, to describe what other companies right. are, you're, you're at uh, trademark level service. You know, and, and I don't think that it really matters. You know, I mean, we, we were using some retail examples. I don't think it matters you know, what the examples are. Because to me, it's humans right. doing business with humans. Whether it's B2C Bingo. or B2B, it's irrelevant. Uh, you're still, it's still people, you know, people, this is where, like in the B2B world, in fact, I just had a big email argument with a guy, you know, a couple of, uh, a week ago, 
who got upset with me because I did a web, you know, in a, in a, in last month's webinar, uh, you know, I used a B2C example. And he just, he, he's like going, no, we're not B2C. Those things are not, it doesn't apply to us. I said, I said, people don't do business with businesses. You know, they do, they do business, business with people. With people. And, and right. we're all people. And so even in the B2B world, you know, uh, creating an amazing customer experience uh, is just as relevant uh, and applicable and achievable as it is, uh, you know, you know, in, in the B2C world. Now, you, 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 know, you know, one thing is, is, is I'm hearing also is, <clears throat> the, is like is culture. No, and I don't mean oh, like yeah. international. I don't mean like international. I mean corporate. No, not the cultural differences. You're talking about the culture of a company. Culture of a company, okay? Because isn't this isn't this where uh, uh, you know the old the old phrase of you know the bottleneck is always at the top of the bottle, right? I mean, isn't that that's where the culture is established? Is is well, at the top. Uh, you know, depending upon who who you talk to, uh, you know, who's famous management guru, or they, they say this is attributed to many people, but the, the line is, culture eats strategy for lunch. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I um, agree. So, so how does it, you know, but we also have people on here who are small businesses. We have people sure. on here who are big businesses, you know, uh, and, uh, um, you, know, you know, and culture, you don't have to be a big business to have a culture. No, you just have to define if if I'm if you're a solo entrepreneur, let's go to the single person work maybe they're just a manufacturer's rep, they work by themselves, but they've got a great reputation for brokering whatever it is you need with the right man. That's one person, maybe that one person even has an assistant. It's really the tiniest of tiny businesses. That one person who owns the business gets to define how they're going to treat their customers. End of story. And when you get to the larger companies, it's the exact same thing. It starts at the top, and the top has to define it. The CEO has to define it, and they have to make sure it's communicated so everybody gets it and everybody knows it. And by the way, that's a big flaw in a lot of company systems. I've sat in boardrooms before. I've got the CEO sitting at the head of the table, and I've got a bunch of the uh, high-level exec, C-level people, and I'll look over at one of the guys at a break, and I go, do you know what your CEO's vision for customer service is? And uh, he goes, well... He'll tell me, and then I'll go over and I'll talk to another executive, and he or she will tell me, and guess what? They aren't the same because the CEO hasn't communicated it properly to get everybody into alignment. And by the way, whether it's customer service or whether it's whatever the vision or mission of the company is, it needs to be created and, and, and defined and then communicated in such a way that everybody is in alignment. And once they're in alignment, once it's been communicated, then you can start to train to that culture. But here's the thing about the culture. You know, I, I, I recently did what's called a C-suite program where everybody in the audience was from the C-suite. Actually, they had some VPs in the audience, but most of these companies were pretty big. And I said, uh, somebody said, how long is it going to take? Because I've got this real simple six-step process of how to create that customer-focused culture. And I, I qualify by saying simple is not easy. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. It's simple mm-hmm. in concept. But when you go to execute, it could take time. So some guy raises his hand. How long is it going to take me? I said, how big is your company? We got $8 billion in sales. How many employees? Somewhere around 24,000 employees. I said, three to five years. Well, when do you want to start? <laughs> and he goes, three to five years. I go, yeah. Now, if you had a company of 500 people, we could probably get it done in the next six months. Okay, yeah. but yeah. It, it's... Uh, it's totally different when you're frag- fragmented. You've got silos. You've got people that are all... And by the way, 
when we talk about training a company in a customer-focused culture, we talk mm -hmm. about training every single employee, not the people on the front line, not, or not just the people on the front line. We're talking about people in the warehouse, people in the de accounting department, people maybe in R&D, people in the IT department. Everybody gets trained. Do they get trained the same way? No, because they may not deal directly with customer-facing issues. But the guy in the warehouse is going to understand his or her, her role. I say the guy, the person in the warehouse yeah. will understand their role as it applies to what happens at the end when the customer is going to open up the box that was just shipped to them. They need to understand the way they pack it, the way they, they put it in, the, 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 you know, how they wrap it. And by the way, are, is everything there? I mean, that's one of the biggest issues is, you know, does something show up? I mean, our, our manufacturer is going to ship a piece of equipment and they're going to put this uh, equipment into a box. Is the box properly secure when they open up? Are the parts going to be laying there because it was banged around? I mean, this is part of that customer experience. And we've got to get that person in the warehouse, the person that packs it, the person, you know, maybe who sends an invoice uh, the, the right or the incorrect way. We've got to get them to understand what, the customer experience is on the other side so that they know their place. How do you do, how do, you do that, though? Because, uh, like, if I'm a, uh, you know, you, you, you use somebody, like, a good example there where you said, like, they're, they're doing the invoicing, right? They're in accounts, yep. accounts receivable, you know, and, they're, and they're, they're doing invoicing. They never talk to a customer, they, you know, or, or unless something has gone wrong, <laughs> right? You know, or, you right. Know, but, uh, um, you know, a lot of these people never they, they never interact with a with, with a customer. But so, but you're not talking about you know I see I don't I'm hearing the the phrase customer service and customer experience kind of being they're commingled. Are are they the same? Yeah. Or are they uh, they're uh, not is, the same. They used to be the same. same, but they're not the same anymore. And because it used to be, people thought the customer experience was the way you were treated. Today, the customer experience is about any interaction, any impact, any touch point that you have with either the people of the company or the product or service that's being sold to the customer. And I'll give you an example. We can, uh, well, Apple is a perfect example. Part of the whole Apple experience is opening up the box. Oh, my and God. How Right. Am I right? I mean, it's very cool the way they packaged it. That's part of the experience, which, by the way, adds to the value, which, by the way, adds to the price. That's okay. Different. Not yep. that it costs. It does cost a little bit more to package that way, but they're able to charge not only a little bit more, but sometimes a lot more for the perceived value and the experience that you get. There's nothing wrong with that. So, how do we get everybody, including that person in the accounting department that may never ever talk to anybody uh, on the outside? How do we get them to understand? We create a journey map, and we sit down with our clients, and we map out. and And here's my challenge: uh, I can prove that every single department, which means every person, because people are make up the departments, every single department, regardless of what they what that department does, is going to somehow impact the customer. Let, let's take it from a real um, from the airlines perspective, because everybody's probably flown on a plane before. If you uh, you're in Seattle, I'm in St. Louis. If you decide to take a trip to St. Louis and you're going to stay here for more than a couple of days, you're probably going to pack some luggage. And when you get to the airport, you're going to check your bags, and you're going to see it go across that conveyor belt and then go down into the tunnel uh, wherever it goes. Into the and then black four path. hours later, yeah, or <laughs> <laughs> who knows what happens. Let's who knows where it goes, that. right? You know? <laughs> but four or five hours later, you show up in St. Louis, Missouri, and you go over to the baggage carousel, and boom, there's the bag. Isn't that amazing? 
Well, it isn't like one or two steps between the time you saw that bag in Seattle and then you saw it again in St. Louis. One or two steps took place. No, there were many people, many steps. There was technology involved as it was scanning tags, putting it on the right, uh, you know, uh, conveyor belt, putting it into the right cart, making sure it got where it needed to be. So here's the point. Most of the people downstairs never, ever see the customer, but everything they do impacts the customer if they fail. Yeah. It's that easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't it sad, isn't it sad that uh, the, the reality is that guys like you and me, you know, we're the travelers who don't check bags. You know, uh, you know unless... Yeah, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. And, and it, it, it goes to that, uh, it's not just the time that it takes to go down to baggage claim and get our bags. It's that... Uh, and I find this all the time. Like if I am traveling with my family or something, you know, and we end up checking some bags and, and uh, you know, we got our golf clubs and that type of stuff. And you go down to baggage claim and then you stand there and pray. Exactly. Because we've had it happen to us. Make it. Yep. Right? Yep. And when yep. you see those golf clubs, it's like a giant sigh of relief. <laughs> it's, so it's, you know there is I mean so so we know this happens right we know it happens a percentage yeah. of the time X percentage of the time and it's a small percentage your bag yeah. is going to get lost I've had my bag not show up several times hey and I'm one guy but I fly a lot which is why I tend not to I also think bags slow you down uh, the other day uh, we had a mechanical issue the guy I was traveling with packed a bag guess what I could switch to another flight. He couldn't, but we were traveling together. So, you know, but there's all kinds of things. They now have a device that you can put into your bag that emits a signal, which allows yeah. you to track a GPS signal, which allows you to track your bag. Yeah. And, and what yeah. they do to uh, uh, comply with the uh, airlines is that when the GPS signal is going fast, like over five miles per hour or six miles, whatever, it actually will shut down because they recognize you're on an airplane and it's moving. <laughs> You know, I think that's pretty cool technology. But as soon it as it lands, you know, you can look on your cell phone and chat and start tracking it. And what a great invention! And yeah. and but anyway, we digress, and that's Peace not of the mind. point. But no, but that's yeah. but, but that's the customer experience, and you know, and, yeah. and you know that that it's sad to think. And I understand that, that yes, a very small percentage get lost, but we've all experienced that. You know, especially I mean, when you're road warriors like us, of course we've experienced that. Uh, um, but but that's but but even going even going through the experience of lost luggage is painful. So it's, it's yep. you know standing that line. I you know uh, it's, it's painful, it's crazy. It's, it's, Although it's I will painful. tell you, I won't mention the name of the airline, but their initials are Southwest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my daughter comes home from school last year, and uh, she had her suitcase, and I looked at it, and it was like ripped. And I go, well, how did that happen? She goes, I don't know. It must have happened. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that way. So all I did is I walked over to Southwest, and I said, check this out. And they go, oh, my gosh. Hey, pick one out over there. <laughs> and I go, what? They go, yeah, we got all kinds of new luggage. Pick one out that's similar. You can have any one you want, by the way, but pick if you want one that's similar, pick one out. <laughs> and I did, and I just opened it up, and we took all of our clothes and put in that one. Put and, them in there? And, but talk about a hassle-free experience. Wow. They figured out. A pain point. First of yeah. all, there was a moment of misery. The moment yeah. of misery is ripped luggage, okay, damaged luggage. Second pain point, waiting in line. Well, 
let's make sure people are staffed so there wasn't, and there wasn't a lot. It was one person ahead of me, okay? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So big deal. When we finally got there, next, well, what do you get? Fill out this long form, yeah. explain what happened, your flight number, blah, 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 and then uh, we'll submit it, we'll get approval, and then uh, we'll send you a new piece of luggage. No, yeah. they got a better deal than that. Pick one out. Leave this because you're never going to use it again. Throw it away. Right. And by the way, if you want to use it again, you know, your choice. You can use it again or you can have a new piece of luggage. Your choice. Right. You know what? I'll take the new luggage. It yeah. was better than what you had. Yeah. Well, you know, but did you have, did you just put that bag back in with those other ones as being a choice for somebody in the future? No. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, who knows what they, maybe they do repair them. Maybe they repair them. Maybe they give them away to charity. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, you know, the point is they removed friction. Yeah, it was already a moment of misery. Look moment at how they handled it. They took you know, care of a. I'm going to write about that. Point. Yeah, they took that, care of a. That's a great. Point. That's a great article to write. write on. I'm going to make a note about that. Yeah, I'm write a book about that. Yeah, uh, um, you know, and that in Southwest, you know, and I think Southwest has, is is a lot like you know when you hear the uh, the the myths of Nordstrom, you know, and the the, the right. some of the right. myth, mythical stories of of the south of southwest and ritz carlton and 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 comp companies like that um and and those are great examples you know do you know are there uh are, are there companies that you know of that that are not necessarily you know on on the list that everybody always uses you know that uh, sure sure you know? uh most of the airlines obviously not all of the airlines but unfortunately uh, i think so i talk about this thing called a moment of misery which is a mm -hmm. negative uh, any negative experience. It could just be an experience that's bad or even a complaint. When it gets to the complaint, it's, it's really a bad one. Uh, mm -hmm. but otherwise, you know, you know what, gosh, that, that's, you know, they, I just don't like it. They don't treat you as well, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got the moment of mediocrity. That's the satisfied customer. That mediocrity means you're in the middle and you're just average. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to be mediocre. Then we got the moment of magic, which is, as you and I talked about that Nordstrom example where you, you know, get people that are nice to you. Well, that's a moment of magic. So it's anything above average, anything yeah. above mediocrity. That's a moment of magic. And once again, similar to a complaint being taking a negative experience all the way to the point of a complaint, a positive above average experience where they go above and beyond, um, you know, that moment of magic that I had where they just said, here, go find a new, you know, and here's a new piece of luggage. Take it with you. Wow. That was pretty amazing. That is that and, is amazing. I've never heard that. And uh, and and you know, you think about it like like well, wow, that's a great that's a great solution. Uh, yeah. To, so to, what we're what we're going to do is for all of those that are saying, hey, but we're not an airline who are listening and watching this uh, show. Let's let's put this out there because if they're yeah. saying we're not retail, they're probably going to say we're not an airline. True, yeah. we're not an airline. Here's the lesson, okay? These people at Southwest Airline listened to the customer complaints. They determined what the top customer complaints were, and then they started to say, how can we get rid of them? Well, obviously, people are going to have lost luggage. There's going to be damaged luggage. It's going to happen. So it's not of if it'll ever happen. It's when it happens. So when it does happen, and we know that it's happening, you know, it's, it's not, hopefully not happening that frequently, but it does happen. It's repetitive. Let's take away the friction. Let's take right. away the pain point, okay? So if you've got customers, what, here's the exercise. Sit down with your team. Have people from all different departments sit down and say, hey, what are the biggest complaints we hear from our customers? You might hear things like, well, sometimes our salespeople, and by the way, internal customers count too. Sometimes our salespeople tell the customer that we can, we can 
put this piece together and, and manufacture this piece of equipment for them in, in a far more aggressive timeline than it actually takes. Aha, mm -hmm. how often mm -hmm. does that happen? You know, we probably get a complaint from a customer once every two or three weeks. Well, what's the way to deal with this? So you're, you're, you know, so we've got, here's the complaint, here's how often it happens, and now let's brainstorm on how we can make sure to either mitigate or eliminate this. So what we do is we say, okay, obviously the salespeople are being a little over aggressive. They haven't been properly notified or educated or trained as to how long this actually takes. Guess what? Starting next week, all of our people are going to go through a 30-minute webinar, and we're going to track and make sure they went through it, and we're going to send them a little quiz after we're finished just to make sure that they understand the process and why they can't over-promise so that we under-deliver. And right. now, you've, you know, now you've dealt with a very specific problem, how often it happens, and the solution to it. And I would yeah. bet that if you did that, you would start to see a diminishing rate of those types of issues happening. Well, and, and what you're doing in that situation is you're doing, you know, you know, I call it, uh, uh, two hat marketing. You know, I say that, that we as, right. when we are marketers, when we are business people, we tend to wear our hat, you know, and we say, and we, and we might say, I mean, somebody at Southwest Airlines might have, uh, other airlines might have had the same conversation that, that they go, oh gosh, our customers are complaining because, you know, rip bags, right? We get a complaint about, about rip bags. You know, what could, what can we do to, to, uh, to, to solve that? And maybe somebody said, well, how about if we just, you know, have n new luggage sitting there and we just give them a new piece of luggage right there on the spot? Well, then somebody else who is, is not wearing the customer hat, they're wearing the corporate hat, they're wearing the business hat, they go, we can't do that. That'd be too expensive. You know, we can't spend that kind of money. That's, that's, that's stupid, right? You know, You're going to spend it anyway, though. You're going to spend it anyway when the customer yes. comes in with the problem. So here's what you do. This is the beauty of, of technology today and analytics and predictive consumption. You know how many bags are going to get ripped. You've got case study of millions of passengers and you know what minute percentage is going to walk in and complain about ripped baggage. Guess what? So, you know, do it like almost just in time. Have just enough inventory mm -hmm. and use your analytics to track that inventory. And by the way, maybe there's a little warehouse somewhere uh, on at the Southwest Terminal in one of the major hubs. And as soon as you find out a city's getting low in, you know, carry-on bags, stick right. a few of them in the belly of the plane. Boom. Yeah. Distribution. Talk about easy. So yeah. there's so many different things that a company can do. But you're right. Somebody might have said, we're not going to do that, which is why at the other airlines, you've got to fill out a form. You've got to wait two weeks for somebody to get back to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It, you, it, you have to wear the hat of the customer. You have to see it from the customer's perspective. And, and what's funny about it is, is I always say, we, we're all... You know, we sit in the office and we make our corporate decisions, right, with our corporate hat on, and then we take our corporate hat off and we go home and now we're the end user or we're the customer or even in the business, you know, you know, even at the business, we might, we might be sitting in our office and, uh, you know, we're thinking, we're thinking like a business and then we go out onto the shop floor and, uh, you know, and we see one of our machines isn't doing very well. We got a, you know, we got a, uh, and die or something like that out there, right? What am I saying? I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, we got, but we got a machine out there on the floor, and uh, uh, and there's something wrong with it. And now we have to call our supplier, right? And now we're the customer, and we're saying, oh, we want this fixed, right? We want this fixed. Uh, and, and and now we're thinking like the customer. So uh, you know, and I, I uh, you know, I just keep contending that that I that that people have to take that darn hat off that says I'm a business.
You know, right, and, and they got to think. So that's what we call the customer-focused culture. Yeah. And a true customer-focused culture, and get this, this is not easy to do, is that every everything that you do has the customer in mind. And I mean everything. Every decision that you make, every change that you make, you are always keeping the customer in mind. And most people say, that's not realistic. What if we decided we want to raise our prices? That's not a very customer-focused decision. I said, no, you didn't hear what I said. That isn't about whether or not it's good for the customer or not. That doesn't make any difference. It's the fact that you considered the customer when you decided to make a change. It could be a pricing policy. It could be a change in the way, you know, your, your process. Uh, it could be a change in, a, hey, when, when, uh, uh, gosh, I'm going to use an outside of the industry example, but when a restaurant decides to change the recipe of a dish that they've served for years, did they take into consideration that the customer might say, hey, this doesn't taste the same as the last time? And which brings up, you know, two words come to mind. New Coke. New Coke. Yeah. So they, that was not a customer focused decision. What was right. customer focused is that they listened to them afterward and mm -hmm. pulled it back and made it old Coke all over again. But, but that's the point. Every decision that you make, and it could be, hey, we're going to raise prices. Well, how is that going to affect our customer? They're not going to be happy, but we have to do it because we can't stay in business if we don't. Done. Yeah. At least we consider the customer in the equation. Right, right. Okay, and, and, and let, me, let me flip it a little bit because I know we only have a couple of minutes left, a, a few minutes left here, uh, you know, on, on this. Uh, and there's, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are also going, yeah, but how do we, real, how do, we do this stuff? Well, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to, you know, they, you know you've, got, you've got, you know, in your book, you know, you've got, what, 52 tools. Right in there. So obviously, right. we want everybody to get that book uh, to get to get the tools. We want them to go to your website, hiking.com, which I will put up on the you know on a slide at the end here. Um, but I want to flip that customer thing around. What if the customer's a, a jerk? What if the customer's being well, difficult? Sometimes they are. Okay. So so and by the way, the the book that you held up is a book that's filled with fifty two tools to create the most amazing customer service on the planet. And right, let me tell you right. the difference between some of what we've been talking about. Yep, there it is, 52 tools. There's a little toolbox there, too. Uh, the 52 tools, tools are not strategies, okay? Tools are actual tactics. Yes. And by the way, in order to drive the strategy and make it work, you have to have those tools, but you first have to have your strategy in place, so that's real important. What if the customer is a jerk? So here's my line. The customer is not always right, but they're always the customer. So if they're wrong, you let them be wrong with dignity. So that's, first of all, the customer to understand it. Now, what if they're truly being a jerk? If they're being offensive, if they're berating your employees, if they're cussing, um, what do you do? I think it's incumbent upon management to take a stance because it, it shouldn't happen very often, even if ever, but there will be times that you have to go to that customer and you've got to say, you've crossed the line. We have a choice right now. And that is, are we going to continue to do business with you? And the customer, I think, what do you mean you continue to do business with me? I'm the customer. Exactly the point. We think that perhaps, given the fact that there's no way we're making you happy, you're very upset, you've, you've said some very offensive things to our people, you're, you're angry, I don't know if we're going to be able to make you happy. Can we recommend a couple of our, our, our other, other people in our industry that might be able to help? Basically, you're recommending your competitor. And mm -hmm. you're firing the customer. Now, 
I, I would do this sparingly because there's many there are many customers worth giving a second chance <laughs> to, and there's also many customers that you know uh, you got to know where the line is. When they cross the line, they cross the line. But when a customer is a jerk and they're starting to affect the morale and the confidence of the people that you have working with you, you need to step up as management and say we stand behind our people, and the customer is not above our employees when it comes to the situation. So. There you go. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think that that's, uh, I, I think the idea is, is there's a, there's a mutual respect. Um, and, you know, if you, yeah, I mean, sometimes you can't satisfy people. Sometimes you can't make right. them happy. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta say, you know, we're, we're not gonna work together. You know, and stuff. So, uh, I, so that, that's really, really, that, that's great. Um, so Shep, uh, Let's let's wrap this up. Let's 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 roll okay. this thing around. And this and, has been uh, great. Yeah, yeah. This is awesome. You've had some great questions here. We have great discussion. You're good. You talking to me? Uh, anyway, I'm talking so, to you. Uh, I didn't know if you were talking to somebody else that might have talking to you or something like that. And and um, you know, I mean, obviously, it would be great if we could uh, you know take questions from from the audience. And hopefully, I've asked some questions that that, that people have. You know, I mean, obviously, I want them to get your book, uh, and uh, um, you know, because you know, I want your wife to still like me, and uh, uh, you know, but but what she loves else? You. What else can they do? But not not but, not, you know, not my not daughter, by the way. For those of you that don't know, you know, moments of magic that that Chef talks about came from you know, as he mentioned when he was growing up, he did magic shows, and well, Chef actually ended up being, you know, world class magician <laughs> just a blast to be around my daughter kelly you. who you all know uh basically has grown up with you know around around shep and uh she calls him mr magic and in fact the other day i told her that i was going to be talking to you today shep and and you know she's 23 years old now and she said tell mr magic i said hi <laughs> so uh you know anyway God, that's but amazing we're getting we're older aren't we God. i know we are getting older and looking at your kids and oh my gosh um so where do we go from here I mean, what, what, where do we leave our, you know, our viewers and listeners right now? Where, 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 what do I, wow. what do we tell them to do now? Well, so, tell them that they need, they need to be at our event in uh, next year when we do this live and in well, person. For those of you that are, and, yeah, the exhibitors, those of you that are exhibitors at IMTS, I'm telling you again, Shep is going to be the opening keynote speaker at the exhibitor workshop at the end of January. So make darn sure you put that on the calendar. And yes. Unfortunately, you have to put up with me again, you know. But we it's also well have a couple it, of other though. really outstanding, really outstanding speakers that are going to be there with us, and we're going to just have an amazing day, <laughs> right, Shep? Uh, so those. I think those, it'll be you know, more. That's that's my word. Amazing. I'm the chief amazement officer. It's all about it being amazing. Yep. I, I was there uh, when we when you picked the word, and and so you, you know what? you uh, were there. You were there when we came up with my mantra. That's right. That's right. I was I was a part of that team, and and uh, but the people who are not exhibitors, the people who are attendees at, at IMTS, what can you give them something? Can you can you give them a sure. nugget right now? Well, I mean, you know, gosh, a couple of things. First of all, customer service is not a department; it's a philosophy to be embraced by everyone. That's part of what we talked about today. Uh, customer service is also common sense that, unfortunately, is not always so common. I'll give you uh, an exercise right now. If you want to really get a nugget, this is the number one 
exercise that we have when we, uh, not so much when I do a speech, but we have trainers that work with me that go out and deliver my material in a more of a training atmosphere, full day workshops, that type of thing. Here is what I consider the quintessential exercise to start to get everybody customer focused. And that is give everybody an index card. You know, uh, here, I've got one right here. Looks just like this, a little index card. If you want to get fancy, print some mine. things on it that let it, yeah, there you go. And, and I actually have these cards. They're about the postcard size. They call them moments of magic. And we call this the moments of magic exercise. And what we ask is that every employee, and I mean every employee, so, and it's going to, you know, a different department or, or a group head can manage their small group of employees. But uh, every employee writes down an example of when they created a great service experience for either an internal customer, someone they work with, or the outside customer if they deal with the outside customer. And what happens is they turn these in once a week to their supervisor, their manager, whomever, and that manager feeds back, tells them, great job, great job, goes through them, picks out the best of the best, and starts to share what some of the best practices are. And over time, starts to assemble what a, uh, I call it a best practice manual. And what happens with the employees is this. They have them do it every week, not like one time, but all the time, every week. And what happens is they'll realize that sometimes the great service that they deliver is, is like, hey, I just I returned somebody's call within 10 minutes, and they were so impressed. Where on the other side, you might have some above and beyond, hard-to-believe, wow-type level. You know, we, we saved right. the day for a, a customer. But right. they're just writing these short. It takes two minutes to do. So what happens is the employee starts to become service aware. They're aware of when they're delivering the service. And I'm going to tell you, you could try it. It's powerful. Um, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, buy the book. You know, I'm sure we'd love you to buy the book. Um, and I have ShepOnDemand.com. And, and that is, if you want me hanging out with your people, one-on-one, -on -one, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as long as there's a good Wi-Fi or Internet signal, I am there. And, and we have this interactive training that teaches all of the things that we talked about today uh, on the show. Great. So, ShepOnDemand.com. Yeah, yeah, right, that's me. Right. I'll put I'll put that up on the on the slide as well. So, uh, well, thanks. Uh, yeah, the the the, the, the shepherd, Mister Magic. So, so yeah, that's good. I love that idea of making people aware of uh, they don't. You know, if once they're aware of it, then it tends to become more of, more of a practice. You know. Yeah, uh, and that's the key. What these employees will do is, if you say to them, "It's due at noon on Friday every week." At about five minutes to noon, they'll they'll pull out their card. And go, okay, what did I do this week? And that's that's pain and stress. Okay, but what happens is when they start to realize they don't like that on Monday or Tuesday of the following week, they're going to do something. Oh, this will be perfect for my card, and they'll write it down. It'll take a minute or two minutes yeah. for them to do it. And now, what's just gone from going back and saying, "What did I do right?" It's to I'm doing it right right now, and I'm recognizing that I'm doing it right. Yep, yep, that's great. So everybody go. Go get your cards and yep. uh, start start uh, you know sharing them with the, with your your staff and your employees and and everybody else and and uh, come up with those uh, moments of magic that uh, are gonna gonna make make your customers uh, love you talk about you so Shep Hiken thank you buddy that's me Great that's me hey Great. Steve Miller the other Steve Miller. <laughs> if you know what I mean, not the Steve Miller band. Steve Who Miller? is that guy? You know, here's the thing. If if you walked into that convention center next year, standing next to Steve Miller, the rock and roll guy, nobody would know who he is, but everybody would know you. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yep, that's exactly right. So, 
So thanks again for joining us today. You know, look forward to, uh, you know, having fun together in uh, Chicago in January. And uh, It'll be and, great. Great. And we'll nice be, and warm. A balmy, a balmy, nice, warm day in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, balmy 25. So. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so good talking to you. We'll, uh, and uh, everybody, once again, you know, uh, and also, uh, if you want more information, uh, hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. And, uh, thanks. Thanks, Shep. We'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Okay, well, so thank you very much, everybody, for uh, joining us. I'm going to get my uh, webcam back on here. Uh, and I uh, hope you got some good stuff. You noticed that I waited. Uh, I mean, I didn't wait, but uh, that Shep say, uh, shared something with us right there at the end and uh, um, that I think was a terrific idea with the, uh, with the cards. Um, so um, now as far as questions go, uh, oops, I better get rid of this thing. Let's see. All right. Um, obviously, without uh, being live with Shep like this, uh, you know, uh, we, we won't be able to do uh, questions for him. Uh, but I would certainly say, let me give you um, contact information. Uh, you can go to uh, hiking.com or uh, shepondemand.com, and if you have questions directly for Shep, you know, they do have uh, contact information right there. You can contact him, ask him directly questions. Certainly, you can send me questions anytime you want. Uh, at uh, uh, go to theadventure.com and go to my contact page, or just send me an email at Steve Miller at theadventure.com, and I will be happy to respond to you as well. So uh, we are right on the money here as far as uh, time time goes. So thank you again very much for joining us. Uh, next month we're going to be having uh, two separate webinars: one for uh, one that is uh, aimed at exhibitors and one that is uh, aimed at attendees. You are, of course, welcome to join uh, you know, both of them if you like uh, or whichever one you choose. Uh, the information will be sent out. If you go to the uh, imts.com website, there will be information there uh, on the upcoming uh, webinars. This will also be posted as a podcast and we'll be sending out emails to everybody that uh, replay ready for you uh, as well. So. Uh, thank you again for joining us today uh, on the webinar. We'll be back again next month. My name is Steve Miller, better known as Kelly's dad. And uh, remember, always be uncopyable. See you next time.